Nikita Maspin trading card autograph. Worth up to one dollars. <laughs> He's quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. Okay, welcome to Hoss Boys. Whoa, big week. We sit here in the shadow of the great Jetta Grand Prix. Boys, reaction, Max, go. Oh, it was it was hot. It was at night. <laughs> there was cars. It was stinky, like exhaust. Lots of fans. But it was a lot of fun. A lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, really fun. Reaction, go, Mike. It wasn't a shadow. That's actually smoke. Oh. Okay. From an oil storage facility. Goodness gracious, this oh, race wow. weekend was filled with all sorts of drama. Oh, this just got dark. It did. It, it was dark. Yeah. Did you see that cloud? It was because oil we, burns we, pretty black. Yeah, we really did have a shadow looming over the track, at least during qualifying. I didn't watch qualifying. I was too obsessed with our meme going crazy oh yeah but what just what so happened? you know max made us an incredible <laughs> meme that uh you may up. have seen if you're a reddit fan or if you're following us on instagram we made the star wars one yeah we were front page baby yeah it was great i was very impressed yeah we got a comment that said i'm so glad to have been born in the time that I was so that I could see this meme. <laughs> <laughs> That's like such high praise because it's not really a joke. No. It like sounds so sincere. Also, I feel, yeah. This so grateful awesome. to be alive for that yeah. moment. So yeah. this this episode brought to you by Max and his memeing. You're welcome. Way to yeah. go, Max. Yeah, really good, really good meme. Round of applause. Yeah. Such gonna, a meme. We're going to try and do another one. Maybe we'll make another meme. Serious? Maybe. One more, maybe? One more meme. Oh, man. That'd be so great. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, go on Instagram. And if you're not following us, WTF. Yeah, bro. What happened at the oil fields? Kind of crazy. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to pretend that I even understand the political element here, what's actually happening in that, in, in the battle between Yemen and Saudi Arabia. But there was an attack on an Aramco facility storage facility mm. fuel depot a wow. fuel depot in saudi arabia 10 miles from the circuit wow so taking a level of intensity into this race that's crazy and then literally have something like that happen so close to you i i mean i couldn't imagine that the drivers felt not necessarily even uh, not to jump to comfort because i don't think that you can feel super comfortable in a race weekend anyways yeah but maybe just an extra notch of Anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. pretty crazy. They had they had a meeting, right? They had to... It got pretty serious. The meeting yeah. lasted until 3 a.m. But it started at 2.30 After practice. Oh, after practice. A long meeting where basically everybody's just saying, what do we want to do about this? Just a little background. Basically, there's a rebel force called the Houthi, Houthis in Yemen that are uh, basically a rebel group that has gained a lot of power in Yemen and just isn't about how things have been and are blowing some stuff up. And... Mm. And it, Saudi and Arabia in, went and blew them up too. Yeah, it was in it was in retaliation to something that Saudi Arabia had done to them a few years prior to my yeah. small research. But a very crazy tense situation, and I think put a lot of people on edge. You know, with the drivers, the FIA, and the event organizers sat in the room, sat in a room together on in the paddock to try to arrive at a conclusion of whether or not the event was even safe to hold. There was some discussion around some stuff that was really interesting. Oh, do you know? I know at least one component oh, of it. Oh, do tell. All right. Apparently, WWE had visited Saudi Arabia a few years ago, and there was something similar. Okay, to this I, this is starting 
really cool. This is a really cool. It's start off to, to a great story. start. Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin. I'm what? Just, I'm just kidding. Are you I don't know. Serious? They were going to hold an event. Something happened where they decided to cancel. I don't know if it was out of safety or what triggered that. I don't know to that extent. Now I know that they had canceled and they were ready to go home. Okay. Those who had private planes their own, you know, the the high-level VIPs of the sport were able to take off safely and, and go home. But all the crew and a lot of the other people that just traveled together, their plane was held on the tarmac for hours as a, like, power struggle to show how displeased the people of Saudi Arabia were. Because they were leaving? Because they canceled the event that they Ooh. were planning on Oh, holding. my gosh. So a little bit of precedence... For this. And from what I understand, that was something that was like a political move. It wasn't just like the air traffic controllers that mm, were doing right. that. Like, it was the powers that be. Let's put a finger on their plane for a little while and show them that we didn't like this happening. And it makes a lot of sense because in this case, as with the F1 case, it's a really bad look for these super public events to be canceled because of safety concerns. Right. That just paints Saudi Arabia on this horrible light. So it makes a lot of sense politically for them to do that, obviously wrong, but. Right, and, and again, so it was something that I heard that was addressed in the meeting. Had the event not gone ahead, what would it be like for them to try to leave? So. Really? An interesting situation where. Very interesting. I, you know, again, I'm not pointing fingers here. This is things that are being relayed through the media. These yeah. were a lot of reporters in the paddock during the meeting that had overheard some of the things. Yeah. But I do know that the drivers had been assured by the local authorities that they felt that the attack had nothing to do with anyone to try to harm anybody, but more in retaliation to a previous event. And that the race should go ahead with a lot of confidence knowing that that's not the intent is to not hurt people, but again, to kind of more... Send a message. Retaliate, mm -hmm. send a message over something that had happened previously. A prank ward gone... Awry. Yeah, just yeah. escalated. Yeah, really bad prank war. <laughs> it's a classic CC and Winston mess around. <laughs> they had stolen the Saudis mascot. It just <laughs> went back and forth. Oh, gosh. But they went forward. Yeah. Uh, we saw some pretty interesting stuff with Haas in qualifying. 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 <laughs> yeah, qualifying. It's, it's when Mick was, feels that when way. When Mick was qualifying, he flew right into that wall. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. We're glad he's okay, but what a crash. Yeah, that was My a gosh. pretty intense crash. Yeah. And I mean, I think that one of the things that I have as a question as a as a fan and a follower of F1. You need I've to write for, in through Instagram. Yeah, can I submit a question, Parker? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, next week. Okay, all right. Well, then I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Saudi Arabia <laughs> track is brand new. Okay, so they and they oh. built this track to resemble the street circuit. The whole premise of it being that the walls are closed, it's kind of tight. Has it's a, a beautiful of, track. And it, yeah, it runs into partially the ocean. It's a really cool circuit. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But one of the things that's interesting to me is that as we move into the future and the F1 cars, are it, like their safety level has increased substantially since the 90s and 2000s. And obviously even before that. But something that's interesting. That sounds like a FM radio station. And there's slow yes. rock with less talk. <laughs> yeah. Hits from the 90s, 2000s, and obviously everything else before that. <laughs> if we feel like playing bread, we will. <laughs> yeah. The circuit's brand new. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't they build the circuit with newer technology for impact, like absor absorption? And they did not. I did notice some kind of different tech around the pit entry. Other right. than that, it just looked like the steel band. And cement barriers. You know, in NASCAR, something that they've developed is something called a safer barrier, where it's a double wall. 
you uh-huh. have your outer wall that is actually fixed and cemented into the ground. And then they use these kind of foam accordion shapes in between the wall and then lay another cement barrier. And then that absorbs the impact when they hit the wall. And it doesn't necessarily save the car. Like it's still pretty brutal when you hit one, but at least the give that the wall has between the outer barrier and the inner barrier is a cushion to the driver. Yes, huh. is pr- more protective, less broken bones. A lot of things have been a proven. Crum- crumple zone. Yeah, mm. to just be able to absorb some of that. So we're like in a track like Saudi Arabia is brand new, and they've yeah. built this narrow street circuit vibe. It seems like there could be some implementation of some of that and planned for it, knowing yeah. that the circuit's going to be. We want it to be this wide. So okay, so we're going to take you know an extra four feet to make this work. And it's brand new. It's not like they don't have the space to... It's not Imola. Yeah. Where this track's been around for a long time, or Monza, or, you know. Every circuit that they race at is certified and inspected by the FIA in order to be able to run a Formula One race. And so it goes through a pretty strenuous process to even achieve that. Mm. Again, where they have such a high expectation of the car safety, I think that that's where my only question is, is how does Formula One advance from here Yeah. to require the track safety to be next? Mm -hmm. Where right now we have the car that's taking majority of that responsibility. How can we then now require the tracks and the circuits to equal it? Hmm. And to kind of bring that back, Nick's crash was a perfect example of like a really high impact. He like hit a little bump, a little part of the curb and just like had spun him backwards into a wall. Like I feel like that would not have been as bad on a different track because he was... Street street circuits are just so tight. He was parallel to that wall. Most of that energy was forward. Right. I feel like that's a lot of damage to take for a crash mm. like that. His car disintegrated. Yeah. yeah. As it's designed. Right. But I feel like we've seen worse crashes that have come out with better looking cars. Yeah, a lot less damage. And they chose not to race him. What? Did I hear they didn't have enough spare cars? They wanted to save him for Australia in yeah. case he or someone wrecked him again? A tactical decision. How many spare cars does a team have? For the most part, I think it's like, of course, it's obviously how they play their budgets and who Mm -hmm. can actually even hit the budget cap number, which I would think that Haas isn't hitting that number. Mm. And so it's not even so much a number of cars because a car is sort of like a subjective thing. We're like NASCAR, you show up at a racetrack. Again, we're going to compare apples to somewhat apples to oranges. NASCAR shows up with two per driver. Those cars are fully kitted, roll cage, engine and chassis combos, the whole thing. Formula One has a monocoque that bolts to a number of different carbon fiber pieces, an engine transmission, power unit, whatever. When you blow up the car, it's blowing up just parts. And for the most part, drivers can replace a monocoque, but usually what they do when they replace those is because of stress fractures or something that's made them then dangerous to use. Mm -hmm. And so with Mick in his accident, he trashed a lot of parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the impact was great enough that it actually separated the transmission from the back of the car, mm. which is the new design this year. It was meant to do that as part of what they learned from Roman's crash that they wanted to be able to separate those a little easier. So a certain level of impact would cause that. So that was a good test. They saw that happened mm-hmm. and it absorbed some of that energy and it doesn't transfer through to the driver. The next part of that, though, is that, okay, moving to Australia, do they have enough winglets and the ground effects arrow that's underneath the car? Do they have all those carbon fiber bits? Do they have enough supply of that to be able to put the car back together exactly as it was? They need to build that car. Right. 
Those mm. mechanics, fetching days, that's a lot of work. One of these days, we'll interview one of these mechanics and just get into that. It's like, okay, what does it take? Do you, just, you get a crate full of parts. Like, how long does it take for you to build a car out of that? Do you have a Lego instruction manual of how to, where that goes? <laughs> right. Do I need yeah. to put the... It's an Ikea manual. <laughs> yeah. And it has, it has a picture of two people on it and an X <laughs> over the one person doing it alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they only ran Kevin Magnuson for the race. And he started P ten. P ten. Yeah, he made it all the way to Q three and then starts P ten. And just like last race, pretty well hung on to that place, mm-hmm. which is so dope. This so is so cool. fun to see. Like you know, the crashes, the ups and downs, are can be fun here and there. But like, it is so great for a Haas fan to sit and watch K Mag get a great position in qualifying, which. P10 is a great position for Haas mm-hmm. right now. Oh, totally. And then hang on to that throughout the race. It's still like a shock to see Kevin Magnussen starting a race so high for Haas. Yeah. And Lewis is starting below that. Right. Yeah. And nothing happened to that car. Just Lewis couldn't whip it around quick enough. Yeah. It's insane. It's still kind of weird to see. It's amazing. And Kevin admitted during qualifying that the car was capable of P5. He felt that it was definitely a possibility for the team this mm. year, this week. But during qualifying, he said his neck just gave out in Jeez. Q3. And he could not keep his neck up. And so he was leaning on the headrest Ugh. and getting through Q3. Holy crap. Yikes. Because he was just so, it just strained his neck. Yeah. And so he was like, P10 was the best I could do, but the car, the best that the car could do was P5. He did some physio things. He worked his butt off to try to be prepared mm. for Sunday the safety cars and a few of the things that happened during the race didn't fall his way. Mm. And so a P10 is still a great recovery from something that didn't really go his way for tire strategy and some of the other things. I imagine it's like you need so many muscles in your neck to stay up. You see the videos of all the drivers training and they have the crazy elastic bands around their head or machines that will train their neck. Can you imagine as like an example, like you have to start a sport and they're like, you need a six pack like by Tomorrow. by the weekend. And he's like, for oh. your neck. <laughs> yeah. You need a six yeah. pack for your neck. Yeah. It's like, this is going to take a, a couple more weeks than that. Like, right. okay, but you're still driving in the meantime. Yeah. Right. Holy crap. Yeah. It's like joining the NFL from the couch and <laughs> yeah. then being like, you're going to be the fullback. The muscle memory's there, but the muscle isn't. It's yeah. crazy. But he still held his own during the race, which is a lot of fun to watch. He did, and he defended against Hamilton, man. Pretty cool, yeah. And something that was really cool is that Mercedes, they hailed Kevin for racing Lewis clean and that they didn't force each other off a track and that they had a really good battle between the two of them. And Lewis was quoted saying that he just didn't have the power to keep the Haas. What's that quote exactly? Uh, Let me see. Let me pull it up. It's in our group thread, if you would have read it. You probably could have recalled it. Mike, we don't memorize everything you send. He said, this is Lewis's direct quote. I couldn't keep up with the Haas at the end, the power they have. (laughs) I could not keep up with the Haas in the end, the power they have. They cannot wield it. It should oh, be an hour power units. I know. I know that we can't. <laughs> I know that none of us can get over it. But could, they uh, went into the depths <laughs> beneath the mountain where the stone lies and took the power out of the mountain. They cannot wield it. <laughs> Harness the power of the outer rim into that Ferrari engine. One who such cannot wield such power unto me. You shall not pass. <laughs> Race, you and fools. Then, <laughs> Kevin Magnuson raced Captain Magnuson 
C-Mag. Was able to go wheel to wheel with Lewis. And yeah. again, that's just amazing. But, you know, another thing that's so crazy there is that it, Lewis Hamilton saying the power they have, mm-hmm. those Haas guys, is there anything more wonderful to hear oh my gosh, than yeah. Mercedes and Lewis being like, man, the power of the Haas car right yeah, now. Seriously. Well, when is everyone else going to catch up that Haas is a force to be reckoned with right now? Yeah. I was, I was complaining to you guys earlier about the dumb ESPN pundits right before like the grid walk before the race. These are just guys that probably just know basketball and football and some stagehand <laughs> handed them like a, like a, like a, a script. Like a bullet point note. They're like, oh, uh, the last two cars last year that one were like Red Bull and Mercedes. Just uh, wing something. And this guy right before the break was, all he said was, Red Bull engines, Mercedes, come on. And I was like, Red Bull, they're not racing their engines. They don't have engines. Honda has an engine. Mercedes is sucking right now. Why are we focused on them? And And Haas is an American team (laughs) that's doing good. Uh, Why? Just, uh, like, where's your brain? Yeah, yeah. where's ESPN root for your team? Yeah. It was, it was annoying. Yeah, so annoying. And it's like... But Parker, you were telling me something that you read on F1's winners and losers list. Oh, right, right, right. And I was reading on the F1 website. They basically did a breakdown of the quote-unquote winners and losers mm-hmm. of this race. And we're saying, Verstappen, winner, he, came, he was able to get around around Leclerc and do blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's and, just like a Hollywood's best dressed and yeah. worst dressed thing. That's what it's sounding like already. Keep going. Sorry, keep going. It, it has that exact <laughs> same feel. And then they're like, uh, Perez, incredible qualifying, keeping his positions up at the top pretty well. Showed up wearing Dolce and Gabbana. <laughs> Someone else did. More red carpet drama anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good look for Sergio. <laughs> Um, and I was going through the list. I'm like, okay, cool. We're totally going to see Haas somewhere in this list and where it's saying, Kevin Magnuson, who hasn't raced for a year, gets points twice after three years of not getting any points. And it's yeah. just not there. And I'm like, do you guys have any idea that the biggest This losers, is an F1 article, right? This is from F1. Do you guys understand that a team that was zero yeah. For three years. Yeah. Just got points twice in a row with a driver that had been out for a year. Yeah. And he was fighting Hamilton and Alonzo. Uh-huh. Are we looking at It's like, crazy. Like yeah. Out of all Why of the news that they just went this? over, Mercedes is barely 10th. Yeah. And Haas is ninth. Is the top of the midfield. Yeah. Right. And obviously, as mentioned, Mike, not as good of a performance this weekend because of his neck. But they are a P5 team. They are. Yeah. As soon as Mick gets that car <laughs> rebuilt, he's in the shop right now. Seriously. They're, they're making him rebuild it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be... A, Australia will be rad. It's, that's the next race. It's yeah. Dom Toretto. Two, Kevin's going to have two weeks and he's to fix like, his neck. Yeah. He's like, you owe me a 10-second car. You owe me a 10-second car. Kevin puts on his, his wife beater. Yeah. Mick puts on the wife beater, and they just crank at their engine. Just, Something man. about engines just drinking calms a, me down. Drinking a Corona. <laughs> family. <laughs> Going just like, family. Das family. We are the family. I think the thing that, in contrast to that, the thing that I've noticed on like Reddit, Instagram, and you know the social media channels that we like to participate in, is that that neglect exists in the media, mm-hmm. but yeah. not in the fans? Right, mm. right, right, right. Haas, right, right. Is, Haas is still the bell of the ball, yeah, and bro. I'm saying, you know, every week we get this Steiner ship upgrade yeah. for a good performance, and someone's <laughs> photoshopped a bigger boat next <laughs> to Gunter. People get it. Uh, we know that this is catching on. We yeah. know that the recognition is there, and we're so stoked because it is—it's well deserved. Yeah, the effort is there. 
the team obviously had to put yeah. in so much more blood, sweat, and tears than everybody else to be here. It's gonna be it's gonna be weird to see how long they keep ignoring it. Yeah. These media motherships obviously take a long time to turn around, but it is social media that always yeah. leads out. Like we were all, everyone except for the most diehard Lewis fans have been mad about how much attention Lewis has been getting for like a year and a half-ish. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're it right. feels it like we, we might, you know, this race, my, maybe this is the beginning of them mm -hmm. weaning off a little bit of him. And, Tell you but what. we'll see. He's a moneymaker. Just a breath of fresh air to have Jensen Button being a commentator. He's yeah, like yeah. the... Such yeah, it's just and amazing crafty. to hear a different point of view from instead of David Croft, who cannot keep his eyes <laughs> off of Lewis. <laughs> and there goes Lewis Hamilton around turn eight. And Jensen Button. And anyways, back at the front. <laughs> yeah, let's, <laughs> right. Let's get back to the fight going on at the front. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's. I love whenever he's involved. It's real, and he's yeah. also been teammates with Lewis, so I think it's a little less of like this misty-eyed. Yeah, he's the goat. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, it's like this guy shared a garage with me. I was, I was watching, I was watching it with my dad, and I was trying to explain to him. I was like, "This is like when Michael Jordan had finished winning all his titles with the Bulls, and he went to the Wizards." I was like, "Can you imagine if every game on broadcast, like network television, was still just the Wizards showing right. Michael Jordan play? Like that team sucked." Yeah, it, it was. I don't know who was winning that year. Probably the Lakers. But it was like, can you imagine if the Lakers were winning every game, but we're still just watching? Michael Jordan played you with the Wizards. only the first quarter because they interrupted. They're like, oh, and then the Wizards and the Magic are playing That's kind of how other. it feels right now. Lewis driving around in P13 and we're just watching that and yeah. with and Charles and Max fighting for first. It was a good couple last laps watching them. Amazing. Pass each other. That was such a fun race. And before we even get into that, the one thing that I will acknowledge is, is Mercedes is not content and they won't stay there. We know they're going to come back. Well, I, I mean, know. how far can you go? How far can you go in a series? Or, well, or and one at year? least in, we'll say in the first part of this season, the struggle is real and we know it. Yeah. Plus, we're, we're seeing a change, a big change at Mercedes that is officially taken effect of like how painful that loss was. The gentleman who oversaw the power unit developments at Mercedes is now at Red Bull. Mm. And he was a big part of why Mercedes was so unstoppable him not being there anymore, being with another superpower, this is definitely like it's taken effect. And it does take a couple of years after someone leaves for that to be like noticeable. Yeah. Seeing your ex with another guy. It's the worst. It's exactly Summer like after that. high school when we first met. Bum, 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 Make bum, out bum, in your bum, Mustang bum, to Radiohead. I don't know what he's saying, <laughs> but like, he's like, I'm on the teacup ride at Disneyland all of a sudden. I recognized the kind of the song Mike was singing, and I was like, you start doing like the 50s doo-wop, and I was like, is it an older song? <laughs> Because it sounds really good. Yeah, it's uh, it's a cover. I expected like Cheshire Cat to come out at me, and it was Alice in Wonderland teacups for a moment there. Shifting gears, we have a question. Oh, that comes from a listener named Andy. She wrote that in. I think she is new to F1, and she's asking, "How does somebody become an F1 driver?" Now, this is a pretty driver-heavy conversation we're having here and probably for the rest of this podcast. And so... So tune out if you hate this question. Yeah, tune out if you hate drivers. <laughs> if you watch the sport for metal <laughs> yeah, and yeah. carbon fiber. There's a lot of people that watch it with the, the, the just, audio off. I and, watch it for logos and branding. That's it. Oh, yeah. Just to know what you're going to go buy next. <laughs> yeah. What's Lewis wearing and how do I buy it? 
What kind of scooter is Lewis riding on? Yeah. Is it a razor? Is it a thrasher? Does Lewis love Harry Potter? What's Patronus? <laughs> the Guardian Leviosa. Why isn't that on there? <laughs> yeah, we could have picked a more themed word for yeah. the side of the car. Like yeah. something better. What is Lewis's Patronus? Why is this accent affiliated with Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Val- Valley Girl, they love Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your house? <laughs> oh, I guess we should talk about how you become a driver. It's a two-story. So the way that you become a driver is the sorting hat. Oh, uh, yes, yes. It's kind of classic picking anything. You basically go to school with a bunch of people that have magical powers, and then an old man in a beard puts a hat on you, and the beard talks. And the, and beard it, the beard talks. <laughs> Gandalf's Wait. beard. It's Gandalf. Wait, isn't that? Isn't that... <laughs> it's Gandalf. Yeah. Harry Potter, the head Wait, of the Harry... school is Gandalf, and the beard is what sorts well, the sorting no, but beard. They put the hat on oh, first. Right. They put the yes. hat on. And then the beard speaks. <laughs> and it says, you're going to Mordor. It's one of those costume cheap beards that's attached to the hat, like a... <laughs> A terrible yeah, oh, yeah. Santa Claus costume. Like the glasses with the nose and yeah. a mustache. He's not really talking. He's just pulling the beard down. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, right, time for you to go to the Shire. <laughs> you are a Fly Red Bull Junior driver. You go. Show us the meaning of haste. <laughs> the hat is on the head and it's yeah, yeah. Red Bull Junior Academy. Yeah, and then some of them get that and they're mad and, and they're they become bummed. evil orcs. Yeah, I'm not sure why we even need to talk about this. I yeah. thought this was clear. There's been decades of movies made about this. <laughs> J.K. Rowling made it very clear, Andy. Yeah, Andy. Uh, but there's lots of avenues. Or is there only one? I don't know. There's kind of only just the one. Uh, so basically, Andy, <laughs> let me explain this to you. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Take, take him. Yeah. Uh, so generally how it starts is kids kind of like with most big sporting or even performance where if a kid starts at like eight years old they've got a pretty good shot and they, they tend to start real young like that eight and nine and ten and some of them even younger and they start out on little gas-powered go-karts that they race in their local towns the gear is paid for by their parents or something and maybe they'll get like a local sponsorship or something like that they kind of level up from there as they get older just different leagues and stuff to what what age is a kid out of carding and into f3 or something you brought a friend over to our house the last time we watched the first race and he said he was nationally ranked in karting like yeah pat cushionberry if any of you listeners know pat is a good driver good reference for us something that's interesting is some people will stay in karting for a really long time I and mean, some people move into the formulas and a really long time being like 18 all the way through their adulthood some people will still be carting because there's still a lucrative way to live that way for somebody that's not familiar it's unusual to think of an adult racing competitively in a tiny vehicle go-kart but it's really cool there's some cool youtube channels that have grown men adult you know racing in these cars and it's really interesting racing it's really sophisticated right yeah you know and a formula one car is a glorified go-kart it is a single seater and it is open wheel so that is the starting point, and there's a lot to learn in that way because with a go-kart, like a Formula One car, if you make contact with an open wheel, it can flip you over. So there's a lot of lessons to be learned from go-karting that do translate over to the sport. In Formula Three and some of the, like, up to Formula Two and then to F1 is sort of a progression of usually spend, like, one to two years in one of those sports, not, like, a ton of time. 
I would say that you're kind of driver's license capable at like F3 level. And then F2, you're sort of 17, 18. And sometimes you stay in that sport, you know, we'll say that's younger end of the spectrum. And then you can stay to that sport in, you know, 21 or so. But F2 and F3 are sort of farm leagues. So a lot of people don't stay in those sports for years because a lot of teams are interested in trying to usher that talent through. And the end goal is Formula 1. And a lot of these teams in Formula 2 and Formula 3 are designated feeder teams to these larger F1 teams, meaning Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, who are these big, big teams in F1 that are heritage teams that have been there forever, have arrangements or have started these smaller teams and are cultivating talent in these in the lower ranks, maybe even all the way down to karting, but definitely F2 to eventually feed into F1. And so somebody that doesn't really graduate to F1 early 20s is probably going to move on to something else. Yeah, and you know, moving to sports car racing or prototypes in Le Mans and some of those other things are definitely that same trajectory. When I went to the U.S. Grand Prix, one of the guys in our group, his name was Tom, and he was telling me he did karting when he was little, and he was invited by Red Bull to go to like a race to compete to see if he could enter like the junior Red Bull driver training program. He said he was really good. He missed out on like one of the final races. Um, I think it was just like a bad luck, like a crash or something knocked him out. But I think from there, they were going to take like those final winners, go to Florida, train them, and then like go to like Europe. I think Red Bull kind of shook things up with like their junior training program the junior academy at red bull is definitely a unique approach something that's a little different and they do do like little contests and things like that to try to like find talent yeah pull somebody out of the woodwork right you know where a lot of this something that's interesting in those junior categories even being able to be recognized in karting is again that cost it's something we've talked about in previous episodes so something that we're seeing a lot of these days is sort of the people who have paid their way all the way to a seat um, another avenue that people are finding now is like esports. We had like that kid go from like just like doing similar racing, e racing online, and being like a the champion of like whatever e sport it was online yeah. racing when in, at his at home simulator. And then he got invited into what F three or F two, and he raced and did all right. I don't know how he did. It's crazy, but, but it's just. Even in karting, the expense is so insane per year. It is, yeah. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is impressive because him and his dad just scraped and hustled like crazy to be able to race. Like he didn't come from a rich background. I'm sure tons of these kids have done. A lot of them yeah. haven't, but yeah. a lot of these kids do that. And it's a huge job. Huge. So I, when Max and I went to uh, the Monza Grand Prix last year, I met... Oddly enough, I met two karting kids at the Heathrow Airport, Freddie and Alfie Slater. Uh, Freddie had won the U.S. karting championship the Mm. year before, and uh, I was able to sit and chat with them, and it is their whole life. Mm. They do school online. Mm. Like, these kids are on planes, and they're racing all the time. Mm. You know, there was these two guys with them, and I thought, you know, one of them was their dad or whatever it is. It's like, no, like, their parents hired two guys, basically wow. coaches, and it was these two coach, two coaches' entire job to basically go with these kids and, yeah, be coaches to these kids as they race, not just in Europe. There's two championships, Europe and the U.S., and they're doing this stuff all year, man. Very expensive time-wise and money-wise. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, you talk about the minimum amounts versus like somebody who's going to pay maybe like twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 or euros a year to participate in a sport versus the kid who's competing for a world championship is 
closer to 100,000, maybe even upwards of 300 or whatever, like Nico Rosberg said, an obscene amount of money with no guarantees. Yeah. You watched that Michael Schumacher documentary that came out on Netflix and talked about when he was young, he was like scrounging through old dumpsters to find wheels that hadn't been used all the way because everything's just so expensive and you have to cut costs, especially if you don't have money. One of the areas that Lewis Hamilton's story is genuinely very compelling. It's super interesting and, and honestly part of the reason why people are so stoked for him, I guess, and like the where he's ended up in racing. One of the things that's really given Lewis his grit and his determination has been where he came from and how hard it was for him to achieve a Formula One seat. One thing that's cool, if you haven't um, watched the Lewis interview on David Letterman's and my next guest is it's really good. It's great. It's really cool. And they do break down a lot of that story of how he kind of came up through the ranks. Yeah. But to kind of go along with something that you said a little earlier, Parker, a lot of these Formula One teams do go all the way down into karting. So Lewis Hamilton had won a championship as a karting kid. And at one of the award ceremonies, Ron Dennis was the president of McLaren at the time. And Ron Dennis goes all the way back to Ayrton Senna through Kimi Raikkonen era, through a lot of like really iconic periods of McLaren. Ron Dennis was present. And so Lewis walked up to him and said, hi, I'm Lewis Hamilton. I am current karting champ and said, I want to race for McLaren one day. And Ron Dennis gave him his business card and said, cool, win a couple more championships and keep in touch. Lewis won, I think, another championship and told him. And then Ron said, cool, all right, we're going to start a karting program. And Lewis went from paying his own way through karting to being endorsed by McLaren. And mm. they started a karting team. And that was how Lewis went from being him and his dad and not necessarily dumpster diving, but pretty much his dad was working, yeah. you know, a million jobs to make it so he could afford it and then getting up to where he was. So that was a really cool and obviously a huge opportunity for him. And he earned it. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just sure. like... So that's like one guy on the grid that I can think of that is super scrappy. Right. I don't know everyone's history, but I feel like most people else on the grid, everyone else on the grid, is either like comes from a lot of wealth, their dad was a Formula One driver, or they're just insanely rich, like yeah. billionaire level. There are a lot of those stories. It stands to reason that as the sport and karting becomes more advanced and therefore more expensive, that we'll see more and more of that, more and more mm -hmm. Mazepins and Strolls on the grid and Latifi's on the grid. And Joe. Joe Guan Yu. There are a few guys on the grid that whose dads are basically billionaires yeah, yeah. and they somehow pretty just much, bought their Pretty seat, much bought the teams. Bought the team so their son could race. That's one way it's into F1. It's kind of a sad, unspoken truth. It's the easiest way if your dad is rich. Yeah, seriously. And it kind of goes a lot of different ways. In the case of Lance Stroll, his dad, Lawrence Stroll, bought Aston Martin, mm, yeah. not just the team, yeah. the entire company, company. Yeah. and put his son, who was an F2 driver, into... Oh, no, he was a Formula One driver when he did. He was already in, in Who was he driving for? Well, so before the Aston Martin acquisition, Lance was racing for Williams. But his dad was also sponsoring that, right? Lawrence was also sponsoring He hadn't bought oh. the Williams team, though. No, but he yeah. was a big investor. Okay, that's funny. I thought Lance was brand new at Racing Point. Believe it or not, Lance has a podium, and I think Williams' last podium prior to George Russell. <laughs> what? Yeah, Lance, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. See, and I was bringing him up because I think Lance is a really good story. About, you know, uh -huh. if there's good and bad, which yeah. maybe there's not in this case, but it kind of goes a bunch of different ways. He is a guy whose dad just 
poured money into whatever team he was on. But he's a really good driver. He's he's a very competitive driver. Comparatively speaking. Comparatively speaking. Out of everyone that we've seen that has been a billionaire son. Yeah. Great midfield driver, man. Yeah, he's been competitive. And yeah. so where, you know, his personality is a bit goobery and he's a funny guy. Yeah. And, uh, I am impressed by a lot of his ability and where a lot of these pay for seat drivers or don't tend to impress Lance is definitely top of the list yeah on the other side of things we have obviously just because he's so easy to call on somebody like Nikita Mazepin who is somebody whose dad just infused an enormous amount of money into our team Haas Mm -hmm. and got him that seat and it's funny because there's some, uh, there can be some gray area or maybe some pretended gray area as to whether the guy has the seat mm. because of his dad's money or not. Right. And in this case with Nikita Mazepin, there was just zero doubt whatsoever. It was obvious when when that sponsor dropped, how quickly they then dropped Nikita. Right. It's like, oh, we have no loyal, reason to yeah, have He's you, not dude. getting us points. Yeah. He's out. And I think that, that shows that, yeah, one, it's like he was on the team because of money. And yeah. two, like... In all of F1, it's ruthless. Yeah. If you don't provide value to the team, you're gone. Yeah. And that value is either in monetary compensation or performance. I hate to yeah. say at this moment, monetary compensation outweighs performance by uh, a, quite a good margin at this moment. Because Magnuson lost his seat to Nikita. Right. And now he's backing scoring points. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and in a moment where that could bring monetary compensation. Mm. So it is a delicate balance and you have to know when to play that card. Right. When do I want money and when do i want performance that's gonna get me money so joe is interesting has he got points yeah he's pretty competitive for another billionaire boy alfa romeo what is his story what's his billionaire story no idea he did not score points this race but But he's been race before he's competitive for sure yeah he's up there and i don't know his story but i just know that he's another billionaire kind of son Mm. and that's usually not the case you have latifi and mazepin whatever at the back because it's kind of sad because there's probably a lot of talent out there that just hasn't had the chance because of money i could i can name like five right now that deserve seats are we seeing the best of the drivers that we can Sometimes I guess like the trickle down effect, these t- 20 seats can be good. And sometimes it's probably not as accurate. Well, yeah. and sometimes you even get the argument from the fans of does Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso did Kimi Raikkonen deserve a seat? Mm. Or are they just taking a spot that somebody new mm. could be cultivating a beginning of their career mm. and then the right trajectory? So in my ways, I'm, you know, I, I kind of like to see these guys who've been in the sport for a while still add value, still contribute and sure. add value to the team as well with feedback. Um, and so I don't see any harm in it, but some people get a little bit touchy about that stuff. And so one final thought, um, and this is something that Mike has like impressed on me, and that is how good the drivers are to be in these seats. And, and maybe you could do the breakdown a little bit better than I can. I think you talked once about like how how crazy it is, how many people in the world are are carting, right. trying to get into those seats. Totally. Well, and I think that one of the things that was so compelling about the beginnings of Drive to Survive was kind of that like the reason it's called such is because the seats there's only twenty of them. You know, think of another top level sport or, or perf- performing art or anything that only has twenty seats. Yeah. But nothing. There's there. Yeah, there's literally nothing that competitive in such a low number. You could be a professional basketball player for a lot of teams, right? And you could be sitting on the bench for your entire career too. But yeah. you know, a basketball team has a lot of seats. Yeah, and that's just one basketball team in a league. So Formula One has a very exclusive club. 
20 mm-hmm. seats. So in order to be there, you have to be super competitive. And I think one of the things that's interesting about being a billionaire boy versus somebody who isn't is that no matter what, you still have to be able to produce a lap time. And I think that Nikita is an example of somebody who struggled to produce the lap time. And where that became a very easy decision for them, that's where Kevin has come back into play. And again, you know, it was a car that was very underdeveloped and some other things, and so not totally to his discredit, where he did have a lot of performance in F2 and some of the junior categories. The reality is, is that the seats are heavily sought after. If you can't deliver, someone else is dying for it. You have to be producing the results that are going to get you noticed. And then you have to be able to be patient, making deals, constantly brushing shoulders with the top dogs. Otherwise, you end up being one of the guys that gets stuck in F2 for way too long and you miss your window for a good GT drive at Le Mans. Interesting. Wow, awesome. Such an interesting discussion. You guys are super knowledgeable about all this and uh, keep sending in these questions. We're getting the best questions from our listeners. Uh, we've got a bunch coming in that we're excited to talk about in the coming we weeks. We have lots of questions. Yeah. And so we're trying to get to them, yeah. but keep sending them. We love keep them. Keep them coming. And this week we have a big announcement. It is <laughs> the first <laughs> Haas Boys contest. The contest is coming. And this week it's the... It's the trading card. Win a trading card competition. We have a... What? We have a real live Nikita Mazepin trading card. No way. From the 2021 season autograph. Wow. Yo, a signed it card a signed from Nikita Mazepin. card of Nikita Mazepin. Yo. All you have to do to enter is put this picture up on your story and tag us. And maybe if you want, you can say a really nice thing about us. <laughs> we aren't telling you whether or not that gets you better points. Yeah, it, but might, it might get you one more entry. You will be entered in to win the signed card of Nikita Mazepin. That's right. And we're going to give you one week to do this. So as soon as you hear this episode, throw it up on your Instagram. We're going to be keeping a hawk eye on everybody's Instagram. Make a sure hawk te- eye. For us straight guys on our Instagram. <laughs> and uh, get to posting. And on the next episode, we will be announcing the winner and mailing you this signed Nikita Mazepin card. And there is another way to enter the contest. You just use your login info. Oh, oh no. yeah. I Send forgot. it to our Gmail account. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once we confirm that, you will receive a confirmation code to your Twitter backup email. Yeah. And if you don't have a Twitter backup account, uh-huh. make a Twitter backup account and yeah. then that'll be coming into your Twitter DMs. Yeah. And it could be from <laughs> any one of your followers. <laughs> any one of your followers might send you this DM and it's going to give you a crossword puzzle. You're going to need to solve that as it soon as you can. From any <laughs> It's a triple factor authenticator. Yeah, we do 15 factor authentication at Haas Boys. You will receive some dance moves that you'll need to record onto a TikTok, yeah. which will be then identified through AI and yeah. then transferred back to your Instagram. So yeah, that's really pretty it's easy. pretty simple. Uh, you can't miss it. For some of you guys, you'll just opt to do the, it's a little harder, but put the thing up on your Instagram. But we just wanted to make it easy for everybody. Give you some options. And you know why we're doing it? Because we love you. I had the time of my life. Yeah. Owe it all to you. That's it. Thanks so much for listening in the Haas Boys. We are the Haas Boys. Check in with us next week. Because we got a good episode coming up. You're going to give it up. Uh, everybody coming in like it's hot. 
They think it's stupid, but it's not. Yo, uh. Lewis is trying to go out for the glory. We're gonna post a picture, put her on your story. If you're the winner, you get another card. It's not that easy, it's not that hard. Uh. Yo, F1, coming in fast. Yeah. Yo, Pierre, stepping on the gas. Uh. Is that his name? Who really cares? Uh. Everybody, put your hands in the air. We got uh, Gunter. Uh, we got uh, Mazepin. Uh, wrong. He's dead. We shot him. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Wait, did you He's say locked in my basement? <laughs> Bye. Podcast. Why is this accent affiliated with Harry Potter?